Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Longest-running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests, and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine, and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Can you hear me? This is the world calling. Well, that's good news. Welcome along to Midweek Motorsport. My name's John Hangdorf. It's just after 8 o'clock here in the UK. And this is Midweek Motorsport Series 13. And an undetermined, indeterminate uh, number of episodes. Let me just check out what that is. Oh, I can't because my internet's just crashed. Well done. Uh, Tim Gray is up in London. He'll tell me what episode it is. Tim? It's episode five. Excellent. Uh, thank you for that. Tell a uh, bit more of you. You're very quiet today. Uh, how's that? Is that a That's bit better? much better. Uh, interestingly, I can't hear myself at all. There we go. Um, and on a pub programme tonight, we have what? Uh, we have all the usual features. Yes. Including. <laughs> including. Uh, still to come. Uh, that's a good feature. Apologies for absence. Uh, uh, do you know what? We haven't got very many. And uh, end of the show. And end of the show. In between, anything could happen. Is that what we're saying? Pretty much. We will be talking to someone who we haven't spoken to yet this year. Or at least really? not on the radio. We have spoken to him. Well, I've certainly spoken to him off the radio. I'm not sure about you. I'm sure right. you have. Okay. Uh, and we don't have Nick Damon this week. Is that because there's no point in even attempting it? Uh, apparently he was casually driving his uh, new electric car along the road and all of a sudden he got sucked up into space and is uh, orbiting around the Earth now listening to David Bowie. Ground control to Major Nick. Something like that. There's an irony there, wasn't there? Because aren't I right in saying that David Bowie played Tesla in a movie and now we've got a Tesla playing David Bowie while it circles the Earth? What's the motorboat connecting with uh, that rocket? Uh, it was called a... Oh, God, what was it called? It was called a something heavy. A SpaceX heavy, wasn't it? Uh, that's not it. Right. Uh, it's the um, landing uh, gear design for the uh, boosters. Right. Uh, it was done by uh, Dan Gurney, the All-American Racers. Really? Yes. That I didn't know. Okay. Uh, no... Uh, apologies for absence for Shea Adam, 
she's got three loads of laundry done. She's still unpacking. Oh, well, she's got her luggage. That's excellent. And she still says, I can't believe it's Wednesday. I've got a bit of that. Um, I've, I was given a day off last week on Monday, and Monday didn't exist for me. That's quite good. Uh, what else have we got? Do you know what that's about? It's been very quiet on the Twitter Ridge uh, tonight. So, quite clearly... Everybody is in the house and listening in. Uh, Chris Humphreys, uh, in a super smashing mood, uh, listening in tonight. Morning team, morning collective, says Waylands. After stalling on the grid uh, in the <laughs> midweek motorsports beast. Uh, who else? Lounge's car. Ah, uh, who was at our midweek motorsport listeners collective meeting uh, last week? How many did you get at your meeting? Oh, quite a lot, actually. I would think 35, something like that. This is by far the biggest one. New venue for us at the Two Heads Brewery at Bathurst, which I think has become an instant hit. What's the format for these meetings? Because obviously I've never been to one. Is it like Alcoholics Anonymous? Uh, yes, we all stand there and give our names and say um, we listen to Midweek Motorsport or we participate in Midweek Motorsport. It's not like Alcoholics Anonymous because A, it's in a pub and B, there's alcohol involved. But, you know... Uh, Daniil, ah, Dr. Daniil here. Uh, apologies for absence. Moving house uh, <laughs> after all my property was acquired by a certain network. Very funny. Uh, Miss Jax, thank you for all your hard work last week. Miss Jax, Thursday morning it was coffee and midweek motorsport. Thursday night this week we're attempting to be wearing heels at the beach. What can possibly go wrong? Uh, evening all, no EFAs, says Chris Suku, back in London, back from London rather. Looking forward to the show. And Chris Mace offers apologies for options. Still watch, still watching the last few hours of uh, B12 Hour, Bathurst 12 Hour, doing some ironing. All very rock and roll there, he says. And I think that's about it. Yes. So uh, keep your... Uh, bits and pieces uh, coming in at Specutainment this evening as we uh, rattle on to our first feature go ahead and tell me what that might be that'll be the news which means we get to play this jingle all the latest motorsport news from around the world midweek motorsport that caught me what out I had to grab the pot down and get that down excellent uh, and do let me know when we uh, you want our first guest is that any time near you uh, very near, yes. Pretty much after the end of our second story. Right, OK. Uh, I shall make that. I'm having a bit of problems with Interwebnet tonight. Uh, so I can actually get people up on Skype, but I can't do any talking on it uh, in terms of texty stuff. Uh, our first story tonight is what, then? Our first story uh, is about World Superbikes. Excellent. Which are going to Northern Ireland. Really? Yes. That's great news. Where are they going in Northern Ireland? They're going to the brand new Lake Torrent circuit. Which is where? Uh, it's in County Tyrone. Right. Uh, under construction. Yeah. Uh, and uh, obviously having uh, Johnny Ray as... Uh, how many times has he won this title? A million. Yes. Mm. Uh, it's obviously a good idea for them to uh, go to his homeland. Uh, he said, I'm so excited about this news because motorcycling in Northern Ireland has a huge heritage from Joey Dunlop to myself and Eugene Laverty. Mm. I'm very curious to see how the track is going to look, but I'm sure we'll be very well attended because the fans over here love their bikes. Excellent. Um, what do you know about the circuit then? 
Uh, I know it's been built in an old clay pit. Uh, we talked about it uh, when they announced the plans. Yes, but that was a while ago. Last year on the yeah. show, and I said I thought the paddock looked too small to host anything which has any support races. Right. Um, but apparently that's not true. Right. Uh, it has a lake, which I think every good circuit should have. Really? Yes. Mallory Park is a good circuit that has a lake. Alton Park is a good circuit that has a lake. Lakeside in Queensland has a s- lake. Bathurst doesn't have a lake. It doesn't. It does have a mountain, though. Uh, so you're talking major geographical features, if not a lake, then? I think so, yes. Okay. Uh, Can you think of any circuits that have both a lake and a mountain? No. Daytona has a lake and quite high banks. Yeah, it's not a mountain, though, is it? No. No. Uh, Sonoma has a bit of a mountain, but no lake. Um, who else has... Well, Sonoma has a bit of a mountain as well. I said that. It has a bit of a mountain, but no lake. Oh, I thought you, yeah, I thought you said a bit of a lake. Well, oh, ah, well, Master Race for Laguna Seca um, has a mountain and a dry lake. A dry lake. Laguna Seca. Exactly so. Glenn uh, Goodwin suggesting that if uh, there was a lake at Bathurst, it would have gone the same way. Being dry. Mm. Mm, like Johnny was in January. My God, is he made up for it in the first bits of February, though. Uh, we'll say good evening to Graham Goodwin of DailySportsGuy.com in just a moment. But uh, before that, here's another story. We have some more circuit news. All right, OK. This time not in Northern Ireland. OK, but where? Russia. Right. Because uh, the circuit at Sochi is oh, going yes. to be under new ownership. Really? Yes. Okay. Who owns it at the moment? Uh, at the moment, it's owned by the regional administration uh, under a, whatever the Russian equivalent of Quango is, uh, called Centre Omega. But it is 100% uh, owned by the uh, South Russian Krasnodar Territorial Government. Right. And who's it going to go to? Rosgonki. You've just made that up, haven't you? No. Okay. Rosgonki, uh, if you know you're Russian, uh, translates as Russian races. Really? Yes. Uh, it was a company that was uh, registered last year, uh, and its aim is uh, to be a non-commercial organisation which uh, organises and promotes motor racing Non-commercial? Sochi, Yes. See, that's bad news. You need to be commercial. You might not be... Profitable. Not for profit, but you still have to be commercial. And even if you're not for profit, that just means that you put the profit back into the event and don't pocket it. This, of course, is uh, a Formula One race, so where's the profit coming from? Yes. Good point. Uh, One of the problems that Sochi's had is a lack of date equity. Yes, good point. It has moved around a bit. And this year, again, it moves back to September the 30th, having okay. been in April last year. Mm. Uh, however, the contract runs till 2025, so uh, it's pretty safe. Let me run through... OK. Uh, let me run through a f- bit more housekeeping. Uh, hello to Sarah Rigby, Hugo de Martelier. Uh Apologies for absence there. I'm f- still following the kids around. I'll catch up uh, in the... Uh, podcast, will there be any mention of JM130TT going native? Well, that's another bike story. Uh, that's John McGuinness, isn't it? It is, announced this morning. Was it yesterday? Yeah, it was this morning, yes. Was it this morning or yesterday? It was this morning, very early this morning, about uh, 7.30 this morning, because uh, today was TT launch day. 
And he's going to jump on a Norton for the 2018 yes. Isle of Man TT. Which I'm very excited about. Should we do more about that later, or do you want to cover that now? Go on, do it now, as Hugo de mention, uh, de, uh, Martelia mentioned it. Go on. Okay, I've just got to scroll down to that part of my script. Okay, uh, well, uh, while you're doing that, I'll say hello to Alan Prosser, who's listening tonight. Alexander Orkin uh, is also back in tonight. Andrew Mather says, no airfare, first week tuned in for a while. Good to be back. Uh, and Alan Prosser, uh, having said he's here, says, shouldn't all Formula... I say, he said, nearly all Formula E tracks should be under a lake. And Nick Holland. No, you can't mix water and electricity. Uh, Nick Holland being very Nick Holland being very practical and saying water and electricity should never mix. Meantime, the John McGuinness story. So John McGuinness is uh, going to race in the RST Superbike and the Senior TT races for Norton at the 2018 Isle of Man TT. How long is it since Norton has been in the top class? That would have been. It's a while, isn't it? A while. But he doesn't say on the press release. Josh Brooks has signed a TT deal for them as well, Josh hasn't Brooks he? Josh Brooks will be his teammate. Yeah. Um, who, of course, uh, won in 2016, did he? Josh Brooks? Well, they've picked a good one with John McGuinness because... Um, he has been atop the podium on the TT uh, races 23 times. And he's been on the other steps another 23 times. Has he? Oh, that I didn't know. Uh, second only he's to only a... done 78 of them. Sec... Really? Yeah. So he's got more than 50% strike rate? Yes. That is For fan... the podium. That's fantastic. And a 30% strike rate for the top step. Second only to Joey Dunlop in outright TT victories. And you're right, they haven't said uh, how long it was since they had a bike in the top class, which makes me wonder if they've had one in the top class before, we just haven't noticed it because they've been too far down. Um, You can't imagine McGuinness jumping on that if he didn't feel as though he had a chance. So he's not going to be there to make up the numbers, neither is Josh Brooks. So uh, interesting, interesting. I'm not sure how it will go, but we'll give it a go. I'm sure that's what you do uh, let's move away from bikes then ok uh, because in Paris this afternoon uh, we have had the first actually it might have been this morning uh, but we have had the first meeting of the new uh, FIA Women in Motorsport Commission really? yes right uh, which features members from uh, new countries including Brazil Denmark and Iceland mm-hmm. Uh and uh, many famous uh, women are part of this uh, commission. Uh, the president is still Michelle Mouton, but uh, if I read you out some of the other names you will recognise. Jutta Kleinschmidt. Yes. Cathy Muller. Uh, uh, Jutta Kleinschmidt is obviously Dakar uh, winner. Go on. Uh, Lena Gade. Lena Gade. Yes. As I heard somebody call her recently. <laughs> new, uh, new engineer for James Hinchcliffe at... Uh, Schmidt Motorsport, Schmidt Peace and Motorsport. Uh, we also have... Tatiana uh, Calderon. Tatiana Calderon, who is the driver's representative. Right. Excellent. Claire Williams is on there. Claire Williams. Uh, and notably, uh, Jaime Puith, uh, the man head of motorsport at Sayat. Jaime Puith is on there? Yes. Excellent. Not a woman. He's not listed on the list that I have here. 
for the 30 members of Women in Motorsport. Uh, you've only got the 30 women then. There are two men on the uh, list. Hmm. The other one is a Belgian who is... Uh, oh, sorry, sorry. The... No, no, I, I take that back. I, I was looking for Jaime Pig's name and I didn't expect it to have Monsieur Stroke Mr. J. Yes. That's, yeah, okay. And the other fella on there then is someone from Belgium called Thinis. Mr. Yes. G. Thinis. Right, okay. Right, excellent. Uh, what else? Tatiana Calderon will be supporting one of its most exciting projects as ambassador of hashtag the girls on track. Right. Yes. A program entirely dedicated to young women aged from 13 to 18. It's going to be officially launched at the Geneva Motor Show on the 7th of March. With that. Okay, fantastic. Nothing else. No more news coming out of that, though, huh? No. On, only that they have met. Okay. Should we say hello to our first guest? Go on then, fire away. Uh, hello to our first guest and Happy New Year, Graham Goodwin. Blimey, Happy New Year. Good evening, everybody. How are you? Oh, well, like you say, that worked. Even though I can't text you <laughs> on, the, on the link, I can hear you, which is very spooky. Uh, hello, mate. How was your travels? Uh, exhausting. I think you must be more tired than me, though, John. Uh, it's been... No, mate, I went west all the way. And oh. flying west is flying best. Uh, uh, well, so I did, I did. Is fly, it should be flying least, but unfortunately, it's, it's with least sleep. Uh, so yes, uh, pretty exhausted. Flying and... east is like a beast. Flying uh, west yes. is flying best. Now I did uh, London to Miami, uh, up to Daytona, Daytona down to where uh, Orlando, Orlando, LA, LA, Sydney, Sydney, Doha, Doha, back to the UK. That sounds like me That's two a years full ago. Lap. That's a full lap. Yes. That's not bad, is it? Full service when you're going home? No, it's the right way to travel, Tim. 50, I think it was 52, 55 hours in the air. Uh, a bit more than that sitting on planes when they weren't going anywhere, unfortunately. But honestly, um, that is the only way to do it, as far as I'm concerned. Keep flying, keep flying west. Um, so, back you are, back in harness you are, and presumably, like the rest of us, uh, desperately looking forward to some excitement uh, from the uh, the ACO and the WEC, which starts tomorrow with the announcement of the ELMS entrance for 2018. Now, this is a break with tradition, Graham, because normally that's done at the same time as WEC and uh, Le Mans, but the, the LMS now getting its its own its own limelight, albeit not with a full, live, sparkly music and lights press conference. It's going to be done on uh, on social media tomorrow morning. Uh, it's going to be, I believe, 5 p.m. for oh. uh, the LMS. Uh, but it's you're right, it's morning for WEC. Ah, I've got those the wrong way around. Right. But, it, I mean, either way, John, um, I think we've got a few surprises coming. Really? Yep. I think we've got a couple of surprises. One, one of the Talk ones about that, ELMS first, then. What do you think? What do you think we're going to be surprised at with the ELMS? Well, I think we're going to see a couple of LMP2 entrants that we weren't expecting. I think you're going to see for the first time, and I won't name it, uh, for the first time, a two-car uh, ELMS entry with two cars that are not the same chassis. In prototype. In prototype. Ooh. P2. So, so one we'll... team, so Miggins Motorsport, and yep. they will potentially have a, an Orica and a Delara or a something else and a something else. So effectively, w- one team, one team name, uh, but two different chassis. 
Correct. Yeah, but I can tell you it will be an Oregon and Ligier. Right, OK. Um, the things to look What's for... The, hang on, um, then, hang on. Without, yep. without giving up too much uh, there, because you obviously know, because you've spoken to them, I know you have. Yep. Um, What's the thinking behind that? What, to, to, to cover all our bases or just it that's is, what they have? It's simply that's what they've managed to draw together. The second car, very much a late addition to the field, expecting somewhere between 13 and possibly 17 full season LMP2s. Wow. It depends on who manages to pull those things together. There's been one or two that have come close and have fallen uh, short. There may well be a couple of late additions. We know, for instance, that Team BBT, who are competing in the Asian Le Mans and Old Ligier, certainly were uh, looking to see whether or not they can actually make it across the line uh, with a full season LMS entry with a new Ligier, I believe. Not heard any further on that one, but uh, I think we're going to have a very healthy LMP2 grid indeed for the full season of LMS with some very familiar names amongst the driving lineup. LMP3, shorter of news for the LMS, but don't expect there to be any shortage of LMP3 cars. We've seen RLR have announced uh, their revised driver lineup. Uh, fans of Alex Capardia. Uh, because Alex is not any longer part of the RLRM Sport setup, where impressed last year, we'll be pleased to hear that we will be hearing, I believe, what his plans are tomorrow. Uh, so there will be uh, a- another bit of good news there. GTE, by the way, is one to watch across the two uh, main full season lists, because what we don't know yet is how the uh, selection committee of the WEC mm. will be will be dealing with the. Uh, challenge they've got which is being oversubscribed in gte am uh, yes uh, they've, they've got some real issues that we'll, we'll come on to that in a moment because some sure. of those came from where you were uh, at the weekend as well elms um has consistently i think outperformed the critics in terms of um of gte in the past are we going to see that continue oh and graham's gone hello g are you still there? Well, let me see if I can get him. We were doing so well. Yes, it disappeared without any uh, without any, any warning any there. At all. Let's try that one again. Hello, Graham. Can you hear me? No, he can't at all. Okay. Well, I don't know whether that was his end or my end. Ah, he's trying to call me now. So let me see if I can pick that up. Uh, mm, okay. Ask me a question, Tim, while I try to get this back. Uh, well, I'm going to ask you the question that you asked, uh, just asked Graham. Mm. Which is what? Uh, are we going to see any... What did you just ask Graham? I, I asked him uh, if the... GTE teams, wasn't it? In, in um, ELMS uh, and what we thought that might happen. I, I've always been impressed with what... Uh, the ELMS have managed to conjure up in terms of uh, their um, in terms of their entry for the for their championship. I think we might have Graham back now. Are you back with us, Graham? No, not quite. Um, I've always been very impressed with what the ELMS have conjured up uh, regarding their ELMS uh, GTE entry because the harbingers of Dune have always said, "Oh no, it's never going to happen." It's you know. It's a bit of a nightmare uh, and such like. And they've always managed to have a decent grid. I, I don't know. What I don't know is how that will be affected by the potential of people who haven't got the entries they expected for 
FIAWEC and whether they'll come across and therefore will that entry tomorrow give us a clue to who hasn't got a WEC entry uh, and yet are still going to be graced at Le Mans perhaps um, having been asked if they would like to do something in the ELMS instead. Just, um, it's a good point because uh, doing it this way around and revealing the ELMS entrance first there may be some clues, some teams that Correct. we weren't expecting to be in the LMS because they weren't there last year and were doing WEC last year. Correct. Um, if they suddenly appear, particularly in the GTE classes, then uh, that may be a clue that uh, there will be, as we expect, fewer uh, GTE, full-season GTE AMs in the WEC and... Uh, some ELMS entrants who have uh, Le Mans entries. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I'm I'm a bit concerned about what's happening with with GTE on a number of fronts because I do think that that is a category that needs to be looked after by the uh, by the ACO uh, because that is where the manufacturers are right now and that potentially um, is uh, an issue for the ACO going forward and manufacturers that is and I, I just wonder if they've got the balance right this year and, I, and I, the answer is I don't know is the short answer to it um, I really don't know uh, so I, I'm very excited to see what comes out of it uh, tomorrow and, and then the other thing about the LMS this year is that uh, they are starting in a different place uh, they've previously started the season with uh, a shared event with uh, WC at Silverstone Correct. because the WC isn't going to Silverstone until September it means uh, hello hello oh, Graham he's back, back. Means they're starting at Paul Ricard now yes um I, I'm not sure whether that was you or me, uh, but I've rebooted. Uh, it's, I'm afraid, total web failure here, so apologies. Ah, no, no, no worries. Good. Um, I'm going to do this on a mobile now. We we were um, we were musing there about the fact that uh, GTE has always somewhat outperformed its critics in terms of the numbers of cars in the ELMS. Uh, everybody said they'd never get any. They have done in the past. And, and, and I was positing the fact that uh, given the issues that we might have with GTE Am in particular at both Le Mans and the WEC. Might we be seeing some names in the ELMS entry list tomorrow who've been given the tip off that they're not going to be in WEC and therefore that'll give us a, a, a slight in on what we might see on Friday? I'm absolutely certain that's going to be the case. I think we're going to see one fan favourite team doubling up for the first time. Uh, it's uh, pretty clear to anybody that reads the uh, the auto entries that JMW uh, Motorsports have got the potential for two. I expect there to be two JMW Ferraris in the LMS. I've not had that confirmed from the team, but I believe that's to be the case. Um, Proton competition, we know Christian Reed has confirmed to us previously that he wants to enter two in each, uh, two 911 RSRs. I expect his loyalty to WEC to be recognised. He may well get both of those into the WEC and two into ELMS. Uh, not sure yet what AF Corsa's plans are, though uh, French media sources are suggesting we may see three AF Corsa Pro cars 
um, in for Little Mon 24 hours. Uh, so there's a lot of potential for potential disappointed GTM contenders, yes. and there are you know, a legion of those, may find their way into the ELMS with some form, I guess, of, I wouldn't say deal, but understanding that if they don't make it across the line in 2018, that perhaps they'll be luckier in 2019. Yeah, uh, before I move on, Tim's got a procedural question for you. Of course. Uh, so the teams that don't have automatic entries, do they get told in advance by the ACO whether they're going to get a place, or is it as much of a surprise to them? Uh, as that's it a is very, to the rest of us? very well, good it's a, it's question. A, it's a good question. The answer is they don't have to. Is the honest answer. I believe from conversations I've had with a couple of teams who are particularly interested in WEC entry that they've been there's been a nod towards a suggestion that they won't be lucky this year. Um, so I believe that there's been one or two um, helpful pieces of advice because let's face it, if you're building up your commercial case for World Endurance Championship run, it, best you're prepared for the fact that you're not going than it to be utter disaster. Uh, because this is, you know, it will be a bigger entry, for, I mean, a bigger numerical entry this year, expecting 34 to 35 cars, mm. which is what nine more than we had for the full season last year. Uh, so in numerical terms, you know, rumours of the WEC's death has been vastly exaggerated. It has to be said, of course, there are fewer, uh, there is less uh, factory interest in LMP1, but vastly more in uh, the privateer sector. And watch out there for uh, some potential news that perhaps we weren't expecting. So there are some surprises definitely to come. Um, in terms of GT3, Graham, and LMP3, I mean, LMP3 has been a bonkers good uh, addition. What do we think is going on uh, with those two classes? And, and will we also hear about the Michelin Le Mans Cup uh, in this announcement tomorrow? Uh, and by the my, way, my, by the, yeah. the other thing is, did anything ever come of the promotion and relegation thing or has that been quietly forgotten? I think that's been quietly shot in the head. Right, and okay, so, so let's, let's put that up to one side then. Yeah, Go back to I, my original question. Yeah, so, so basically uh, far less uh, information kicking, doing the rounds uh, around LMP3, both in the LMS and the uh, Michelin Le Mans Cup, other than a number of teams returning, some of them with different driver lineups. We know there's a Portuguese team trying to do uh, Michelin Le Mans Cup with a couple of revised ADES chassis. We know there's uh, a UK team, London Motorsports, looking to do the Michelin Le Mans Cup with a Norma chassis. Uh, so I think we're going to, again, we're probably going to see some more variety, particularly in, in Le Mans Cup, and some new and returning names in that. So there's going to be plenty to discuss from these uh, meetings. Do I think we're going to see Michelin Le Mans Cup tomorrow? I don't believe so. That tends to be a little later, just to give a little bit more kind of time around it but it wouldn't be a shock if we got some clues about that right so effectively what we're going to get over the next two days are the three or well, the the major european continental aco series the global series and the Mon 24 hours and lest we forget uh news of what will be happening with the calendar for the fiwc where there will be a change, I can guarantee you it. Let's talk about the ELMS, because that there's changes there for the ELMS, not from what was announced, but from what we've seen in the past. 
traditionally starting with the FIAWEC in Silverstone. That now can't be the case. Their Silverstone meeting is the 18th of August, still with the FIAWEC, but much later in the year. So they've got, and I think this is rather sensible, uh, their test days on the 10th of April, followed up by the first race of the year on the 15th of April, both at Paul Ricard, Le Castellier. They're moving on to Monza in May, Red Bull Ring in June, uh, in July, excuse me, nothing in June, Le Mans month. Uh, then Silverstone in August. Spa-Francorchamps, I haven't got a date next to at the moment on the ELMS site. One presumes that... of September. Right, well, that's not on the ELMS site, interestingly enough. And then Portimao on my birthday, the 28th of October. I mean, that's a, a fairly stout calendar, Graham, but the early part of the season, the ELMS has to stand on its own two feet for the first time. Well, yes and no. Uh, the, the plus is that at least one WEC GTE team has told me that subject to anything happening late, they will stay on and will likely contest the first round of the Ah, US. that was so my which next question. Some effect, which, which I, think, I think we may see more than one do that. That, I think, is extremely good news. It's a, you know, we, we know that despite the fact that on the face of it, Paul Ricard didn't initially look like it would support really good sports car racing, but it does. No, it's it's excellent. It is indeed. Uh, we're going to see clearly some changes at Paul Ricard this year. The circuit has had a refresh ahead of the French Grand Prix visiting uh, later this year, where, by the way, it will be supported by, fantastic news, by the Masters Endurance Legends, mm, we'll the new that series that uh, well. welcomes okay. cars from Le Mans and other sports car racing from 95 to 2012 will be a support race on a Formula One bill. But, uh, yeah, I think we might well see a packed grid there. Um, That is, I I think, a full 10 days of track action with a couple Mm. of days in between for some resetting and some media work between the three series, FIWC, LMS and the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Do you you think it will only be GT uh, E cars that stay on or is there a chance for some uh, uh, WEC P2 cars to to have a crack at that because effectively they've got a pretty quiet year uh, in terms of the calendar year I know it's the transition season but in terms of the calendar year uh, anybody who have got paying drivers haven't got an awful lot to sell in 2018 in the FIA WEC so getting a bit of extra track time uh, is helpful uh, to get the team up to pace before Spa and Le Mans which is you know there's only Spa before Le Mans this year in the WEC and also it gives them something else to sell in terms of giving value to potential potential paying drivers uh, i think there's every chance john i think there's a there's a lot still up in the air um here budgets as you know you absolutely appreciate coming together really very late indeed Correct. for many of these teams this year there's a lot of drivers that will be very familiar names to all of our listeners um to you know who are still out there and looking to actually nail their calendars down yeah, remember yeah. the only thing that we need to see tomorrow and friday is one driver against each car correct so it won't we won't necessarily get to hear exactly what's going on i can tell you that what i'm expecting is an, an absolute torrent of team related press material in the hours before and after that uh, that list uh, we've already seen the starts of that with the news earlier today that um that giancarlo fisichella will be joining the fiwc in gte am in the spirit, the spirit of race Ferrari with Thomas Fleur and Francesco Castellacci. So 
Giancarlo Fisichella and Francesco Castellacci. That's a lot of letters for just two guys. But um, so and, and beyond that, we've also seen yeah, the, confirmation. Yeah, they're going to have Philip Eng as the third driver for the long races because that's the only space they've got left on the car. Absolutely. We've also got confirmation this evening that Dragon Speed will be entering the uh, the FIWEC mm. with an L- with an LMP2 Orica alongside their LMP1. Uh, BR Gibson, uh, as well as a one-car effort in the LMS. Yeah, that's that's a big step up for those guys, um, particularly given the fact that uh, those uh, programmes have to be split because of the calendar. Let, let's talk about FIAWEC. And the big news will be, if it's announced on Friday or not, I don't know, but the big news is that following uh, some representations from Toyota, the... Fuji round is going to move so that there's no clash um, because there's no point in having uh, Fernando Alonso if he can't win the championship and if it's that weekend he'd have to be at the Formula 1 Grand Prix this is an interesting story that that I sort of fell across by accident by seeing I think in this programme on uh, the week of Daytona that I expected that uh, Alonso would certainly be at Fuji. That was something that I'd been told um, f- by the team, um, f- from sources within the team, of Toyota. Uh, and I took that to mean that he would miss the US Grand Prix. And uh, I said, I actually said, I- I'm sure that, you know, he loves doing his Formula One, but I don't think he'll be there. I think he'll be at Fuji. Subsequently, when I said that, I then got another communication saying, no, 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 no. He's still going to do the US Grand Prix. Fuji is going to move. And with a bit more digging, uh, it it seems that there's been a bit of a quid pro quo here, uh, Graham, between Toyota and the FIA WEC and LMEM, that if they're going to do the whole of the uh, double season, the transition season, and to Le Mans, then they want to have Fernando with the best possible chance of winning the championship and becoming an FIA world champ in two series. And therefore, the current calendar doesn't work. Therefore, Fuji will have to move. Well, I think it's you're right. It is, it's, it's a sword with so many edges. You could cut yourself whichever way you hold it, to be honest with you. So, <laughs> You've so only got to come within st- two yards of it, actually. Yes. Get, a na- so get a nasty welt. Let's start start for the, with the case for the change. Uh, so, okay, no doubt at all, Fernando Alonso, an enormous PR coup for Toyota and for the FIWC. Look to uh, Fuji, and you know, you and I, you know, one of our favourite events when we're covering this one together, John. You know more than most the level of passion that the Japanese fan base actually approach. Mm. Uh, the endurance racing, but particularly the big names from Formula One. Correct. We've seen, oddly enough, Giancarlo Fisichella, then Mark Webber. Mm. You can just imagine, can't you, how long that queue is going to be? And, and Toyota's the, home circuit. Correct. They own the circuit. Now, that, I think, is the absolute kicker correct. at the end of this. So, you know, you're, whatever your thoughts beyond that, and I'm going to lay some of those out in a moment, whatever your thoughts beyond that, it is an almost resistible cocktail of reasons why it should be moved okay so there, there, there will be people graham let, let me play i i do not disagree with you yep. let me play devil's advocate because that's my job to do so there will be people that say moving that and particularly moving it to a date which clashes with another major sports car series being imza and petit le mans mm-hmm. will de- it will inconvenience 
a lot of other drivers potentially. Now we we can probably go through and, yep. and tick off the ones that there can be, but listeners to this show will know. Three, three, three we know for three we know for certain. Yes, exactly. Uh, that's Harry Tignall. Yeah. Uh, Oliver Jarvis, we believe, uh, may well be sitting w- waiting for his WC plans to be revealed, and Renge van der Zander yeah. as well yeah. uh, as a recently announced uh, member of the Dragon Speed team, which means that Renge will miss out, I believe, on two of the five races in 2018, because of course there is a Cup tie as well uh, with VIR with the Spa. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So uh, the, reali- the reality here is that yeah there is there is certainly that there's the the, the other part of it of course is that that is the, was the original date moved to avoid that clash. So unfortunately, the kind of timing of the decision announcement um, that that decision process leaves a rather unfortunate picture in front of the WC. I'm sure they'll be kind of shifting in their shoes a little bit when talking about this one. It really is. That's what I mean by you're exactly right, John. It, it's it's exactly what I meant by a sword with so many edges. It really is ridiculous. And it, mm. You know, whatever they do here, whichever way they were to jump, somebody and probably tens of thousands of somebody's is going to criticise them. Is, so, is there isn't is there a way, is there no way that it could be pushed back a week at Fuji rather than brought forward a week, which as you say was its original date and was moved to avoid that IMSA clash with with Petit. And Petit was moved. Um, Fuji sort of steered and, and then it was all a bit messy, but we got them on separate weekends and now mm-hmm. it, it appears, you know, that the only place that Fuji can move to is to the weekend on which we have Petit Le Mans. Why couldn't it go back a well, week? Because the week following uh, finale and there's rather more read across there than there would be and they can't move it further back still because then you crash into... Um, the, Sorry, what for, uh, I would Shanghai just miss, race? Missed you for just a moment. Which finale was it? Was that the? Super it's GT? the LMS finale in oh. in in, uh, in Portimao, and All then right. the week after that is Shanghai. And of course, the other thing you've got to take mm. into account is you've got to have enough time for the legitimate Fuji in Shanghai. So you're then getting into yes. very much later in the year. It, it is just one of those things that really does make you want to tear your hair out in frustration for all that inconvenience and. Um, I, I absolutely get it. The reason why this sense makes sense for Toto, makes sense for the WEC in a year which, let's face it, is very firmly a transition year. Correct. Um, but I completely see the point that has been made and made pretty loudly by a couple of the other parties concerned. Um, you know, and it's it's our trade too. It's media with with double bubble that that weekend i can tell you right now it's going to be extremely expensive weekend for my little concern yes um because clearly other people are going to have to be employed um to cover that and that's a real world concern for everybody particularly in a year where we've only got five races and and, and two of them clash there's there's the there's the exact point um you know this clashes with imsa events for silverstone which is vir the spa event in the uh following season uh, clashes as well uh, the following year clashes as well it's very very difficult indeed um, to make a business case for it now that said this is a real opportunity for the FIA WEC with Alonso being part of this team and going for this uh, unique double bubble of an FIA World Championship in Formula 1 and in what 
I suppose many would see as the next category down, the FIA World Endurance Championship. And you can't really blame Toyota for wanting to get the most out of it, Graham, can you? And, no, and in that no, case, no, the, and, I mean, and that case I, LMEM, the people who, who, you know, Gerard Navarre's company who who runs the, the FIA WEC. No, you, you can't. I mean, I'm, I am torn almost right down the middle mm. with this. I'll be absolutely honest with you, John. You know, they are making, it has to be said, the correct business decision. Okay, no doubt about that. They are yep. making the correct business decision. I hope that there's been, you know, they've been classy enough to communicate directly before a public announcement with the people they know are affected directly by this. Um, I hope that that's been done because that would be the correct decision mm. to at least have the um, the politeness of a conversation with those that they know and because they clearly know a lot more about the entry list than we do mm. um at the moment that they at least have actually had the the um the the kind of courtesy of a call to actually explain those things yeah. i completely get it i find it very difficult to disagree with that decision um but there is a a goodly slice of me that is mightily irritated by it there's there's no getting away from it that it is uh, inconvenient in a million and one ways to quite a lot of people. Um, and, you know, I, I think this is a unique set of circumstances. I don't think this marks, you know, will, there will be some that says this is a snub to him. So it's not. No. I don't think that's a part of it at all. I think they would have found this a remarkably difficult decision to make um, because ultimately I think loyalty does count, actually. Yeah. In some, for, in many ways, well, to and, and the people making those decisions. And let's be honest, Graham. You know, IMSA are doing them a solid uh, with the Sebring race. Um, if that does go ahead in the way it's meant to, um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if we hear something different uh, about that as well. Although I, I'm, I, there's a part of me that thinks that we're wedded. Um, to that nightmare uh, at Sebring, um, but you know Sebring have done, uh, IMSA have done them a solid on that, and uh, I'm I'm certain there will have been some some back and forth uh, on that as well uh, to to do with that. And, and one should also say, in terms of spectators, highly unlikely that somebody would have been going to both uh, in terms of, of putting their money down and walking through the gates, and in terms of the coverage of it, Petit is on the Saturday. Uh, in an East Coast time zone in the US, whereas uh, Fuji is on the Sunday in a Japanese time zone, which is completely different. So for anybody anywhere in the world, it's not as if they overlap these races. It's inconvenient for anyone who has contract in both, whether that's teams, drivers, um, or indeed the media. But from a spectator point of view, then it's, you know, Sorry, I'm playing this down, but it's not the end of the world. A choice does not have to be made. A direct choice, at least, does not have to be made. I accept well, that there's a... There's, that there's... raises a very interesting question, John, mm. as to whether or not a some form of arrangement can be made to even allow drivers to do both. Really? Well, you've just said that... Uh, start, the the race, question directly. Start, start the race later at Fuji to Ma- allow people to get over? It, well, it's. I mean, uh, the logistics would have to be looked into, but I mean, you've got to look at those kind of uh, sorts of things. They clearly might not have to take part in qualifying, depending on whether or not it's a two or three driver squad for some of those cars. In the case of the Ford that Harry Tinknell's contracted to, of course, it's been a two driver squad throughout. That's a good point. But the, you know, it. I'd like to see every effort made to accommodate that, if it's at all possible. If it's not, then 
obviously that's a lost cause. But um, it is a source of frustration. It's a shame because actually I think what we were looking at with those two seasons, certainly post Le Mans, knitting together quite nicely, was a real festival atmosphere no, this year. Agreed. Everybody realises that um, the WEC has got a very different look and feel this season for reasons that everybody knows uh, with the LMP1 side of things. Um, the IMSA uh, package was clearly on show at Daytona, had some very, very good things attached to that, had some other things where there remained to be questions to be asked about reliability of one or two of the packages involved. But clearly with any into the for the most part, the shorter races where some of the cars that were struggling might well be able to show their pace. I just think it was looking like a highly interesting season across the board. ELMS is in its pomp, often written off by some observers, but I think one of the best uh, endurance racing series on the planet at the moment in terms of its certainly its depth and variety. Um, and we've just got we've had this kind of little golden circle um, where questions to be asked about that new lmp1 class but there's some strength in depth there and you'll find more on about that uh at about that on friday as well uh, and it's just a shame that perhaps the wider world will get to hear about the endurance racing series with a flurry of complaints i have zero doubts uh when that's announced on friday uh, Tim Greer has a point to bring up on this. Tim, what do you have? It's not my point. It's uh, Stuart Hart's point on Twitter. Right. He says, why can't Petit Le Mans move a week? Uh, the answer to that, of course, is that then Petit Le Mans will be clashing with the US Grand Prix. Yeah, exactly so. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's either way, it, look, it's a real-world problem. Um, you know, if you accept, I think, as most people do, that this is a, a slightly difficult transitional year for the WEC... All that does is to bolster the reasons why they should be doing this. Yeah. I think that's the point. If, you, you, if you're if you in a, a position where you've got a little bit less to to sell in terms of the ultimate race-winning race spectacle, because we, we're not yet, can't be confident yet what we're going to see at the front of the racing, then you've got to sweat the asset you know that you have got. And it is just unfortunate. Um, you know, we, we can talk about clashes with Formula One, we can talk about clashes with IMSA, we can talk about clashes with all sorts of things, but the reality is, I think they had their hands tied here. Yeah. And I, I'm sure when you or when I speak to Gerard Nouveau or to Pierre Fion, they will say exactly that. They'll mm. put their hands in the air and say, what could we do? You know, if we'd left it as it was, and no Fernando Alonso... Um, you know the well, level uh, of media interest in one, what what is one of their blue ribbon events because of the way that the Japanese public and media correct. embrace that event, uh, then that would be a lesser event as a result. Yeah, it's a real shame. Uh, and and potentially, regardless of what anybody says, what you know, um, if Toyota win Le Mans and Alonso's in the car, what would be the point of them carrying on for the rest of the season to win a championship against against mainly privateer cars now? One might say that that's not a foregone conclusion, and of course it isn't. But I honestly, I, I I'm fairly certain that that's how the conversation went. Well, but you can't only do one, Lamont. We won't allow you. Okay, we'll do it all. But then what? What? What's to stop them from walking away? And I, I would say straight away, Toyota very, very honourable people uh, in everything that they do. But frankly, if they had achieved by the end of 2018 everything they wanted to do, and Alonso wasn't going to be able to win the championship, why? A, why would Alonso come back? In a year when we don't know what he's doing in Formula One in 2019, 
uh, and B, why would Toyota come back? I, I think it's the only sensible thing to do. I really do. And I, I know it's not going to meet with uh, complete um, universal uh, pleasure from everyone. But if then something can be done to push that race even further back to allow the drivers to get there... Um, it's not beyond the bounds of possibility, I suppose. When do we finish? 10 o'clock at night um, at uh, Atlanta. Because um, we raced just about, if you recall, John, we raced into dusk at, at Fuji. Yeah. Can't push it terribly far further back, um, but, but we'll see. There is one other point, by the way, that came out of my musings with various people on this subject today, which was a part of the rule book, which I have to tell you, completely passed me by and may throw a completely different if not partially different perspective on the there's no way that anybody in a privateer car can compete with toyota mm. debates mm. you will recall that we moved to a single set of bodywork this year yeah, for absolutely no we don't really um i believe and uh, judging by the person that told me i believe them that applies only to the hybrid cars and that's ah. for the lmp1 proteas you can re-homologate that car in season ha- right re-homologate the cars in season and then we lost you for a moment how many times one further time for Le Mans? as many times as you like oh really right so you can should you have the resource to do so and the wish to do so adapt that car to whichever circuit you'd like to do so. That yeah. came to me by someone principally involved at a very high level with uh, an LMP1 effort this year, and indeed already working to enhance uh, one of the cars that we will see on the entry on Friday. Uh, Carol Brink makes the point, don't forget September the 27th to the 30th is Ren Sport at uh, Master Race Villa Gunasaka. Everybody who's got Porsche written on them will be there. So there's not that much wiggle yeah. room for Petit. That's a good point. Uh, right Turn Lover uh, at Specutainment saying, ah yes, so what we have then is Petit Le Mans, Michelin Post Race Tech, coffee, more coffee, and then... The six hours of Fuji countdown to green. Yes, basically. <laughs> it's that, just the 16 hours of international sports cars. Well, that'll get you that'll get you ready for uh, Sebring in in 2019, won't it? Um, just a point. Uh, just a point on. <laughs> On privateer, because God knows how anybody like you guys are going to cover that. That that is going to be very interesting. God knows where the the same Uh, circuit. I'm not looking forward to that weekend in any way, shape, or form. I have to tell you. No, no, indeed not. God knows where the marshals are coming from either. But uh, let's let's put that to one side. By the way, I've yet to find anybody outside of the FIA WEC that actually thinks that can happen. But but that's that's by the by. Um, FIA WEC one massive plus point for me is the uptake on LMP1 private ears. Uh, a lot of people yep. said it shouldn't be the way to go forward. A lot of people said it will never happen. It's not going to work. It is going to work. And I expect to have a good set of... Are we going to get double digits of, of private ears for the full season in FIA WEC? Nine confirmed, John. Right. At the moment. Uh, sorry, seven privateers confirmed. Yeah. Nine cars confirmed for LMP1. And I will just say this. Wait and see. I think it'll be double digits of P of P1 cars, and I think it could be double digits of privateers. Um, if we assume, as I think we pretty much do, that Toyota are only going to do two cars for the whole year, 
Um, I've... I talk, 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 undoubtedly are only doing two cars there all year. Yeah, yeah. What's your take on Anthony Davidson? Because that's the other thing that we haven't really talked about. What's your take on Anthony Davidson being sidelined? Is this anything to do with the fact that um, he missed um, that race last season? I think the answer is that he did. There's no doubt that Ant had a bit of a dip in form in the mid-season. Nothing wrong with his form by the end of the season. Remember, back to back race wins, three race wins at the end of the season, and five wins across the season. Had they not had the dire luck that they had at Le Mans, Ant Davidson would be a double world champion mm. uh, at this point. point. But uh, I think that I think they've done the numbers. They they will know the numbers better than we possibly can. Um, they've. Um, had a look at the, the form book for each of the guys in the total team. And I think, unfortunately, on this occasion, um, Anthony didn't make that cut. Not the first time we've seen this, of course. Nico Lapierre, I'm afraid, you know, suffered the same kind of, um, you know, uh, slings and arrows of outrageous fortune at Toyota. That's, that's rather a shame. Gutted for him. Uh, we will see him at the prologue because that has got a clash with Formula One as well. Uh, the Bahrain Grand Prix, I think, that weekend. So I've been told by uh, Toto, we will see Ant there. He is very much the reserve driver. And let's face it, we've seen that happen before. Well, in that uh, team. In cases, it, absolutely, in cases of, of, uh, of injury. And let's wait and see. I think the other guy that uh, lots of people were looking towards for potential to not make that cut should Fernando Alonso come, as he obviously has now, was uh, Pachita Lopez. Um, but, you know, the, the reasons behind that decision will be better known, you know, Shea Toyota than they will be here or, or where you are, John. So um, it's a damn shame. He's a he's a world champion. Um, I think after his start in sports cars uh, with a couple of moments on track has been, you know, a no, I think aggressive, been, I think he's fair been a gr- guy. A great addition. I think he's been a great addition to, to the sport. I think he's been a, a worthy champion Absolutely. and race winner. Um, and, I, and I think he's added all the way through. Um, we may, as I said a couple of weeks ago, we may never find out the true reasons behind it and whether some of that is Anthony impersonal. Um, I don't know if it is. And don't, he doesn't want to talk John, about it. I, I respect John, don't, that. Don't count out at some point in another car. We, of course, saw this mm. with Mark Genet in his Audi days, famously at the Monocourse when um, there was, I think it was Louis Duval, wasn't it, was hurt. And he was called up from Joe Sports, yep. where he was actually listed to race in LMP2 to rejoin the Audi squad. So don't count out there might be a deal done that could see Ant Davidson on the grid at Le Mans or elsewhere uh, if he's not required for his reserve and development duties. So, you know, I hope we do see him somewhere else. I think that would be another good kind of bellwether uh, for Ant's current speed and form. And there's no doubt in my mind, I think he'd be a fine addition to anybody's squad uh, for any racing he cares to do. Um, but yeah, shame. It's a, it is a shame. But at the moment, clearly, the headlines are really about mm. one man. And, and let's face it, why wouldn't they be? No, indeed. Uh, we've still got to talk about the GTM in FIWEC. You mentioned Giancarlo Fisichella. We'll do that in the next hour. But we need Graham on the line for our next item, which is this. The news that no one is talking about. The stories that aren't reported anywhere else. And for valid editorial reasons. Pointless press release of the week on Midweek Motorsport. Uh, What is uh, this then? Uh, The headline for this week's Pointless Press Release of the Week reads thus. What does poker and Formula One team strategy have in common? Right... 
I'm not even going to read this press release. I can tell you, Sauber, the answer is nothing at all. But that would have been a very short press release, wouldn't it? Yes. And this is a very short, pointless press release of the week. I've logged Mark in the shed, so I get to say, still to come on Midweek Motorsport. Very good. Uh, shorter even than usual. All right, coming up in the second half of tonight's programme from Rissa.com, Marshall Pruitt talks IndyCar. And we have a, I think we'll probably have time for a little chat about Daytona uh, with him as well. We've got some oval news from the US. Uh, we've got more of your tweets, please on at Specutainment. They're coming in thick and fast at the moment as it's just dawned on you that you've got another mega weekend coming with Fuji and uh, Petit Le Mans on the same uh, weekend. Uh, already people reacting uh, to that. Keep that coming on at Specutainment. But as we head into the second half of tonight's programme, we'll have a little more from Graham Goodwin as we look forward to the ELMS and the FIA WEC and Le Mans entry list coming out on Thursday and Friday, European time. Uh, we've got more of the details on that coming. Midweek Motorsport on RS1. It is Series 13, Episode 5, RS1, live on a Wednesday night. It's exactly 9 o'clock in the evening here in the UK. Graham Goodwin still with us. Uh, we, we touched on this this wonderful conundrum that uh, uh, that the FIAWEC have in terms of entries. Um, we, we've spoken many times in the past on this show, uh, Graham, about the reasons why 32 to 35 cars are about the right number to travel around the world for, for freight purposes. The um, issue now becomes then with an increased P1 grid, and we are going to have an increased P1 grid from what we've had in the last few years. I mean, the maximum of six or seven, eight uh, P1s. Now we're going to have double digits and probably more. Which class suffers? Uh, slightly down in P2, yes. Up in GTE Pro with the addition of BMW. So GTE Arm is going to have to take a bit of the strain. Who's going to miss out? Right. Well, first thing to say is that there's a couple of kind of unwritten rules in the WC, one of which is this capping of the grid, which we keep being told is to do with um, the availability of pit garages. I actually think it's more to do with the way in which they're left to determine who gets to Le Mans. Um, why, do, why does that yeah, factor? Because, of course, every entrant into the FIWC uh, gets an auto entry, effectively. Uh, when you add in the uh, the auto entries that are awarded for various success in various series and individual races, when you add in the uh, potential for the GT Pro show to be uh, bolstered by some of the cars coming from IMSA, then you are left with actually a remarkably small number that will be drawn from the teams not invited to auto entries from any of the remaining series. That means from principally, in numerical terms, the European Le Mans series, but equally uh, in terms of the potential for people wanting to do it from IMSA and from the Asian Le Mans series. Mm. So where are we at the moment? Uh, oh, sorry. And the second part of it is where at all possible they will attempt to evenly divide the grid uh, between the combined prototype classes and the combined uh, GTE classes pro and am. Right. Uh, that's equally the case for WEC, perhaps a little less so for Le Mans, but that if you look back, you'll see a pretty remarkable uh, synergy where you possibly can. When you add together what we 
think slash know we've got for LMP1 and what we think slash know we've got for LMP2, broadly speaking, you come to about 17 cars, 17 or 18 cars, which means that you're going to get about the same in the GTE classes. There are 10 confirmed uh, GTE pros, which means you're looking at 60, uh, sorry, six, seven or eight GTMs for the season. And we know of certainly 11 mm. uh, cars where um, at least informally the, we're inquiries about actually entering those cars. Three Ferraris, uh, three Aston Martins, we believe, and potentially five uh, Porsches, all of them the current design mid-engined uh, 911 RSRs. So clearly... Three 11 arm Astons, did you say that? I believe so. Wow, okay. Uh, that would be Paul Dallalana, TF Sports and Beach Dean. And you're you're sure that Paul Dallalana is still going to do that, even though he can't uh, have I, the new car. I had a conversation with a team member at Daytona, and was reassured that's exactly what they're going to do. Okay, cool. So, uh, yeah, let's hope so. Defending champion, yeah, yeah, great absolutely. To have him back. There is one, uh, one or two kind of confounding factors. Now, according to both an ACO source and a team source, uh, despite the fact that Jackie Chan DC Racing have earned. Uh, including their two expected entries in LMP2, five auto entries for the Le Mans 24 hours in 2018, that they can only have two against the license that they hold for competition. So they effectively will have to seed three of those entries. That's where I believe we are currently. It's not as I was first briefed and believed uh, to do with the team name. It's to do with the team license. So it may well be that uh, the likes of Guy Cosman and Patrick Byrne, who you know, had a fabulous race at the weekend at Sepang, uh, and in dramatic circumstances clinched the LMP3 title in the Asia Le Mans series uh, from KCMG, who'd bossed it all the way through, mm. um, it may be that they don't get the entry that they're expecting. You're going to so, be slightly cheesed off by that, though, aren't you? When you've committed to a, a, an ACO yep. championship, won that championship, which for which goes with it, an automatic invitation to Le Mans, and you see people from other championships who aren't doing a full season getting the nod ahead of you. I mean, I, I find, I find yeah, that... I, but we, I, I mean, we've talked about that before. Yeah, that's that's all ground. The other thing that I'd, I'd like to talk about about the Asian series is Team AAI, the yes. the guys who, who've won the... Um, who've won the GT. GT. So, therefore, they... Now, they are quite heavily linked with BMW and it's been suggested by a number of people to me from very good source uh, sources that um, they will be the first customer for the new BMW M8 GTE but of course they can't enter that in AM that would have no. to go in pro for, 20, for Le Mans 2018 Le Mans 2019 the first time that we can see those new cars including the new Aston Martin Vantage in AM will not be till season 2019-2020, which correct. means the first time at Le Mans is two year, is th- two Le Mans away, three years away. Is that not correct? That, completely correct. And you're absolutely right. AI, for the second time, earn through the Asian Le Mans series, two entries. And um, I am told we'll take both of those up. Jean Sanchen wouldn't tell me at the weekend uh, who was talking to about where those cars might uh, might come from, which Mark we might be talking about, but for the moment they cannot enter GT Pro from that class. It has to be GTE AM. So they can't uh, the have LMP3, that BMW then. They can't have that BMW in AM 
against those entries. They can, of course, like anybody else, put an entry in for them on um, for whatever card they like in whatever class they like, but True. it won't be against that auto entry. Right. Um, the uh, so there's, there's kind of there's a lot up in the air right now. It's it's actually probably one of the more interesting years, but it will be in the minutiae. It's not the great big picture. The great big picture, I think, is reasonably clear. We're probably talking about uncertainty in ELMS with maybe half a dozen entries. We're probably talking about uncertainty in the WEC with a similar number. And we're talking probably about 10 in the, the in the Mon 24 hours that we're at this point not absolutely certain where things might lay. What I is I think most of the entries that the selection committee will have to decide upon will be LMP2s. And I suspect that the majority of those will be coming from the European Le Mans series. Um, a number of people, including Tim Gray, saying, hang on, hang on, entries, entries, entries. What about EF Corsa? They've had half the field, it seems, in at Le Mans in the past, in various different classes. Um, presumably, Graham, um, not all of those were auto-entry, though. No, they weren't. And I think that's that they've certainly had a lot of Ferraris in the field when the, when the, the years have been a little fallow, if you like. Uh, as I say, Auto Ebdo reporting earlier this week that they uh, understand that it may well be that uh, AF Course has requested three pro cars at Little Mon 24 Hours. Mm. Beyond that, um, the two of the, uh, sorry, in fact, all three of the entries that I understand. Um, have been submitted for Ferraris. There may be more that I'm not aware of for the WEC with an auto entry are cars that are prepared or at least serviced by uh, the um, AF Corsa team. Team BBT in LMPT, yeah. LMP2 in the uh, Asian Le Mans series, and maybe we'll see them on the list of entries for the European Le Mans series, is another car run by AF Corsa. And there are others too kicking around up there. So it very well may be that there are four, five, six cars that eventually emerge on that list, uh, including potentially cars, of course, from the European Le Mans series and GTE. Though I'm not expecting it to be a major turnout from those cars on the list this year. Um, I have a feeling I know the kind of deals that might have been at least discussed with some of those teams might be rather more towards what they would need to do to be considered more seriously for 2019, because obviously the, the position won't change dramatically as far as the WC is concerned before next year's race. So there's a lot to be sorted out. There is a, a, another transition that the ACO need, and LMEM for that matter, need to manage. And that major transition is the level of expectation of their ELMS teams for the next two years. Um, we'll find out more, of course, on Thursday and Friday, and we'll wrap it up next week once that information has, has gone through. Uh, Tim, are we doing a, a live show for the WEC Le Mans? We are indeed. Okay, I'd better be around for that then, hadn't I? We um, have Graham for that as well. All right, okay, I'm if sure. He, he might be going to it, actually, as we're around this no, year. No, no, I'm afraid I, I won't be going to it for one reason and one reason only. Uh, we will have the, the estimable Mr. Matt Fernandez uh, out in Paris. Ah, there was yeah. an invitation. The problem, of course, with going live to an event like that is that the news value of it is in the immediate list. And if you're stuck in a, uh, in a press conference uh, for 45 minutes or an hour, then by the time you've got out, you are already effectively half a working day behind everybody else. So I'll be here hammering away at the DSC keyboard with uh, um, Mr. Kilby, who was actually out there, of course, with you in Bathurst mm. at the weekend. Did fine Still work. Still enjoying the hospitality. 
Uh, yeah, he um, remind me never to offer him breakfast again. He ate us out of house and home. Ooh. No, he is he is he is a force of nature in that regard. He's still growing. Him and Palmer between us ate the uh, Australian beef sausage mountain. Not not a euphemism. Um, uh, let's let's talk. I want to talk about something else. Um, I want to talk about Mel and why. If I had the 1998 Panos Q9, I'd be a bit disappointed at the moment. Why is You've that? lost me completely. Well, Mel, so, Mel so, is the Masters Endurance Legends uh, events that's yes. coming up, um, of which we um, touched on uh, briefly. Uh, test day down at Brands Hatch on March the 20th to the 22nd, and then going through Italy in April at Imola, the historic festival in May at Brands, the support to the Formula One Grand Prix that we mentioned in June, the weekend after Le Mans, Silverstone Classic in July, the all-timer Grand Prix at Nürburgring in August, Spa six hours of Belgium uh, on in September and then finishing off at the Dijon Cup uh, in France in October. Now, this is... Am I guessing they've banned hybrids? Correct! 1995 to 2012, Le Mans 24-hour cars or any of its feeder series, including, but not... Uh, in, uh, specifically the FIA Sports Car Championship IMSA Sports Racing World Cup International Sports Racing Series FIA World Endurance Championship LMES, ELMS, ELMS, ASLMS ILMC between 1995 and 2012 hybrid cars not eligible I am gutted that we can't rule out that, that Q9 panels Sparky and get into that Well I mean uh, remarkably actually the conversation just uh, two weeks ago, with one of the guys uh, responsible for engineering some of the systems that eventually didn't find their way onto mm. that car, because at that stage were a little bit grey tech, ex Formula One tech, that Don Panos decided he didn't want to risk the ire of the ACO in pushing the envelope. But that, you know, I think we forget, don't we, just how advanced a concept that, uh, that car was. A massive leap of faith. Um, th- this sounds mouthwateringly brilliant. Um, it, it comes hard on the heels of the massive expansion of endurance racing in the um, classic car scene, the near classic car scene. There will be a lot of cars around and about, including, I would suggest, a lot of prototype challenge cars that are sitting under dust sheets at the moment in the States that will be eligible for this. Well, let's put it this way. I mean, uh, bef- well before Christmas, had a long conversation with Nick Manassian about this. He's the sporting director for this yeah. series. Um, it is going to be capped at around 40 cars per grid. It may well be that you see quite a lot of rotation. So at the, there will be, I think, relatively few full season entries. Yeah. But that means there will be a lot more matters, variety on display. doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't. But, I mean, amongst the cars that I know um, are signed up for that series, he told me, by the way, that he'd had approaches from the owners and operators of 186 cars that are eligible for yeah, yeah, that series. Um, I know of several teams and car owners of contemporary uh, sports cars on both sides of the Atlantic uh, that have uh, gone about um, this in the way that you'd expect them to. There's, there are several fairly recent Orica 03s and Morgans mm. that have changed hands and we expect to see out there at least testing and probably racing. Uh, amongst the cars that I know will be racing uh, this year are at least two of the collection of Peugeot 908s that have been uh, 
um, obtained from directly from Peugeot by a UK-based consortium. One of those that will be racing is the ex-Oreca car that won Sebring. That car will definitely wow. be featuring at least some of those races this year and will be featuring with a um, recent Le Mans class winner at the wheel. Uh, uh, I know where there's an Audi R8 that's going to be... Uh, uh, Talk, certainly has already been talked about being prepped and uh, the best news as far as I'm concerned is that the license requirement is international FIA International C That's or equivalent got, and I've got that that's fantastic uh, better, there's better news still John there's better news still I mean you know, amazing news on your part despite the fact you're I have to say I am in awe of the discipline you've shown to completely change your body shape. And I'm not taking the mickey. I am in awe of it. But uh, the better news, of course, is most of these cars are open top. So it's easier for me to get in and out. Uh, 1995 to 99, 20, uh, 2000 to 2005, 2006 to 2012, split into four categories, P1, P2, GT1, because there will be GT1s that fit into that, and mm. GT2. So plenty of opportunity to win pots. Um, I'm already thinking about who I know who've got cars for that, where we can go and do an odd race, because I think that would be uh, you know, fabulous. As I, say, I think I said earlier, earlier in the show, I, I was most delighted to see. Uh, we have had uh, thoroughbred and historic Formula One cars supporting mm. the F1 Grand Prix weekends, but to actually see the Masters Endurance Legends series in, in year one supporting them, at a track where they've raced fairly recently, uh, I think is a, another good move from the Liberty Media guys. Still lots to prove, of course, but it's another, just another little piece in the jigsaw uh, that actually they're respecting some of the heritage of the sport. I like to see that as well. And, and will this be genuine endurance races, so an hour or an hour and 20 minutes, or rather the... Keeping the track, keeping the track time down, uh, I think, for a lot of these cars. There, there are a couple of issues at play here. I'll, I'll deal with one of those in a minute to do with tyres. But when you bear in mind, certainly some of the LMP1 cars, the more valuable uh, GT1 cars, things like engine hours are a major, major expense. Yeah. So if you want to keep seeing them, I think the reality is the days of them pounding around for four or five hours are probably gone. And I believe, I think it's 45-minute races. Right, OK. Uh, and I presume a single tyre supplier for this, and that might be a bit of an issue as well. That, uh, that, that I have to say, not yet being, um, being communicated to us, but I do know after the preview race that happened at Spa on the Six Hours um, event last year, where they had a good number of cars turn out for that one, one of the issues that I know arose uh, was that, of course, You've got a pretty good spread across that what that 17-year cy- uh, cycle the cars could be supplied from, including some LMP 900s and LMP ones. Uh, tire technology comes into it because, of course, the more recent LMP twos, including the Oreca Zero Three Rs, can use contemporary tires, and of course things have moved on a bit. Yeah. So uh, that is a bit of a real-world problem. Uh, I've also spoken to a couple of tyre suppliers that said, well, actually, if we were asked and given enough notice, of course, we could supply. Yeah. Let's wait and see what Nick Manassian and the Historic, historic uh, um, Masters Series can kind of come up with for the season. Either way, yes, we'd love it to be about the racing, 
But you know, I'd stand by the side of the track and watch them come by all day long. No news at the moment of whether we'll be able to follow along. I have to say, I've been in touch with Nick Manassian about coverage. He hasn't come back to me yet. Uh, I'll let you know when he does. Uh, finally, on uh, Graham's piece, because we have to move on, Rob Chalmers, we were talking about the AAI uh, entry for Le Mans and what they might run. He says, I thought they were going to run the first customer Ford GT in GTE um, at Le Mans next year. I, couldn't possibly I think the answer there is that I don't think we're expecting to see anybody run uh, a customer car. I have to, uh, t- I mean, there was there was one entry, I believe, uh, that we will see at Le Mans 24 hours this year, who I think dabbled with it. I think Ben Keating had a bit of an ask. He did. Before he settled on the risk competizione side of things. But I don't think we're going to see uh, any of those cars in customer hands this year. It would be a nice surprise if we did. Um, the, the Team AI guys, I thought, did themselves proud when they appeared first time around. You might remember, mm-hmm. um, John, that your mate Mine Alex Capaldi was part of yep. that effort, and they had one car burn the engine out in practice. I think it might have been with Alex at the it wheel. Was. And the, the Pro Speed guys that looked after the efforts rebuilt that car, and both those cars finished the race. And yeah. as we know from previous years, that by no means is a foregone conclusion. So no. they did themselves proud. You know, in a, an arena where others maybe haven't, and they're certainly well worth the entry. Uh, we'll wait and see. But uh, whatever they come with, I think we've got some some nice surprises to come on Friday. That, that That's the best part here. Yes, there will be some people who will be disappointed. There's no doubt there always are each year. I think last year with 62 cars on the overall entry and reserve list, you know, I think a lot of people were rightly concerned about the level of interest and um, and sustainability of the race at that point. I don't think we're going to be looking at that this year. I think we're going to be looking at a full entry and a very full reserve list as well. Thanks, Graham. Uh, we'll speak to you on Friday and we'll run down the uh, machinations next week here on Midweek Motorsport. Graham Goodwin of DailySportsCar.com. Cheers, mate. Cheers, guys. Uh, apologies for the uh, slight interruptions there uh, on Graham. Uh, keep the tweets coming in. Lots of good news coming in there from Graham Goodwin. Lots of things to talk about at Specutainment. Uh, the cars are back on track this week in NASCAR. It seems only five minutes ago. Can I play the music? Yeah, go on. It does seem like only five minutes ago that we were talking about the race for the chase for the cup for the quest for the new thing in a knockout style. Um, but they are back. <laughs> cars, at least, are back on track. The drivers are back week. as well. The driver, what? The, not just not some just of them. The there are some who aren't back. We'll talk about them later. Uh, so where are the guys out this week? Is it pre-season testing, I take it? No, 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 no. The season starts this weekend. Exactly. They're at Daytona for the speed weeks. So that means we've got the Can-Am Jewels. A week earlier than usual. Yes. The Can-Am Jewels and then the Daytona 500 coming up in pretty short shrift. Uh, as long uh, as along with the NASCAR National Series, they are back at the home of NASCAR Daytona International Speedway. Uh, Shall we take a look at who we've got uh, taking part this year then? Uh, all of them? Yes, all the full season entries. Oh, I'm going to start with Penske. Right. Now, Penske uh, is a Ford team. We're going to do all the Ford teams first, then we'll do all the Chevrolet teams, then we will do all the Toyota teams. Any reason for doing Ford first? No. 
Okay. Uh, but it does mean we can start with Penske, which expands right. to a three-car team this year, with right. the addition of Ryan Blaney, who moves from t- into the number 12 car from the 21, which is a Wood Brothers racing car that he was in last season, and he's taking his crew chief, Jeremy Bullins, with him. But Blaine does not think that that'll be a big adjustment. It shouldn't be a big adjustment, to be honest with you. Um, we have a lot of the same people that we did last year, and uh, there's really only a handful of... Uh, handful of people that are new so uh, and really the people who are coming on they've known everybody on the team for a long time whether it's they've worked together um at another point of their their lives or what but uh it'll really be seamless which is really what you what you want you don't want a huge change so i'm excited for the transition and um it should be pretty simple now alongside him at team penske are joey logano and brad keselowski and keselowski's clearly spent the weekend uh, the weekend the winter uh, thinking about legacy. This is, if you think of it metaphorically, the, you know, I, I'm, I have a very good lifestyle. I have a very, good, I'm, I'm very privileged, and it's not lost on me. You know, I'm eating the fruits off of a tree that was produced by generations before me, by Richard Petty, by Dale Earnhardt, Cale Yarbrough, Daryl Waltrip. The list goes on, uh, and, and so I'm living off of what they've created in this sport to, that's so successful. Um, and in return for that, there's a question that I think isn't just for me. And it isn't just for race car drivers, it's for all of us on what are we leaving behind for the next generation. Um, And the reality is what I do today to promote the sport most likely makes very little to no difference. I'm not saying it doesn't make any difference. I'm just saying it makes a very little difference in this time span, in this era. Um, But what we all do to promote our sport uh, makes a huge difference for decades beyond that. Uh, and I and I believe that. So um, the role that I feel responsible for is the same role that I would feel responsible for if I wasn't a race car driver. It's to give opportunities or make sure that I haven't done something to the sport uh, to damage it for future generations. And and um, I'm trying the best I know how. Um, you know, Dale and, and Richard and all those guys, they, they left a hell of a legacy um, that I'm not so sure – any of us are ever going to be able to fulfill for the next generation. Uh, but I do feel an obligation to kind of replant the seeds to grow the next orchard that the next generation is going to eat off of. Blaney's replacement at Wood Brothers is Paul Menard, who gets former Penske Xfinity Series crew chief Greg Irwin to run his car. Menard doesn't think Irwin's inexperience will be an issue. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, moving moving to the Cup Series is obviously a, a big step coming from Xfinity. I think, you know, you can move from trucks to Xfinity and it's it's a step, but Xfinity to Cup's much larger. So um, he ran some races last year. He... Um, He's got a fuel for it. He he did pretty damn good in those races, so I think he'll be just fine. He he he's got enough. Uh, he got enough of a fuel last year to know uh, kind of what to expect for this year. Uh, Stuart Haas Racing is the next team to talk about. Now they announced that they dropped Kurt Busch for 2018 last summer, only to change their mind and re-sign him in December on a one-year contract. Uh, Kurt says he likes to keep his options open. I feel like um, I have a lot more to do in racing, uh, whether it's the NASCAR level or anything else, sports cars. Uh, I've done some drag racing, done some Indy cars, but uh, you ha- you have to be smart in this day and age, and you can't just have one plan because things change pretty quickly. And so I like to have options, but most importantly, it's that drive and that desire to win races. And I want to win more. And last year was great with Daytona, but we want to win more on the 41 car for Haas, for Monster, 
for Ford, everybody on the NASCAR side. But his crew chief, Kevin Gibson, has retired. He'll be replaced by Billy Scott. Alongside Bush are Clint Boyer and Eric Almirola, who moves from Richard Petty Motorsports to replace the retiring Dana Kapatrick and wants to develop a good relationship with his new teammates. Yeah, so obviously we see each other every week at the racetrack and, and you know, there's, uh, there's that, you know, uh, sort of peer relationship, um, acquaintance relationship. Uh, and, and I'm the kind of guy that, you know, for the most part, I'm, I'm pretty easy to get along with and, um, don't create, uh, a, a lot of turmoil or animosity. So I've never really had, uh, you know, negative, um, you know, interactions w- with any of those guys. And, but to call them, you know, friends or, or, or have a great relationship with them, no, um, but that that that's that's coming. I, I plan to you know by um, you know a few races into the season, I plan to have a, a great relationship with those guys, and I want to help. I want to be a part of the team. I want to contribute to Stuart Haas Racing. I want to help put banners up you know inside the shop, and, and I want to help them. I want to I want to be a contributing factor uh, to the race team, and and I'm a firm believer that high tide raises all ships, and so if I can go and and do my part and do my job and 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 you know contribute, uh, th- then hopefully we'll all run better together. Front Row Motorsports keeps David Reagan and brings in Michael McDowell to replace Landon Castle. Uh, Rash Fenway Racing keeps Trevor Bain and Ricky Stenhouse Jr., while Go Fast Racing has Matt De Benedetto. And for Daytona only, at least for the time being, uh, Camping World Truck Team RBR Enterprises is entering the number 92 Ford for David Gilliland. Uh, on to Chevrolet, and they've got a new car on the track this year, John. The Camaro ZL1 replaces the SS Sedan, uh, nice. which, if you remember, was actually a Holden Commodore. Yeah, and, uh, which aren't being built anymore. Now uh, isn't being built, hence why they've decided not to run it in NASCAR. Uh, there's also a new Chevrolet team as Richard Petty Motorsports crosses over after eight seasons with the Blue Oval. Uh, Darrell Wallace Jr., uh, also known as Bubba, is the team's driver. I'm beyond excited. I might not show it, but man, it's this is uh this is it. We're here. We're at the cup level. I'm one of the cup guys walking around today on media day. I'm not an Xfinity guy. Like, oh, there's such and such. He's in the Cup Series. I'm there now, so it's good. No, I'm uh, ready to go. We got a lot of a lot of stuff that has obviously changed over the off season. Switching over to Chevrolet, uh, the new Camaro ZL1 is awesome looking. Looks great, uh, especially with our colors on there. That, that petty blue touch to it. Um, uh, moving up camp to RCR, being on campus with them. Um, so I'm, I'm adjusting to it all, and it's all coming together pretty good. RPM has also entered into a technical alliance with Richard Childress Racing, which has downsized to two cars for 2018, Ryan Newman and Austin Dillon, who's excited about the tie-up. You know, when we decided, you know, going to the little bit smaller organization there, that um, which we did add um, the Petty organization to the group, so that was that was a good good hit to bring in um, another uh, driver trace. That was what I was most excited about is um, having another driver to kind of look at, see what he does with the throttle pedal and the brake, Uh, adding Casey Kane to the 95. I can see his data also. So bringing a little bit of different uh, perspectives into the group is is good for me as a driver so I can learn more. And um, no, but as RCR organization, um, I I see a lot of two-car teams being very successful. I mean, this, the Furniture Row group is going back to one car, and they were a two-car team last year, won championship. So I, I'm really positive about that. I think that was one of the key things that, you know, 
it's it's nice to be able to focus on two cars and our crew chiefs are our best friends luke lambert and justin alexander um between the 31 and the three um they're a tight-knit group both their families are so they'll be working hard together and uh, they want to put rcr where it needs to be and that's winning championships there's lots of changes at hendrick motorsports over the winter triggered by the retirement of dale Earnhardt jr he'll be replaced by alex bowman who's undaunted by the history of the number 88 not really i mean i have a pretty strong desire to go win races and, and I'm really hungry for wins so I think that really matters more to me than uh, than any pressure anybody's going to put on me I just try to go have fun and enjoy every situation and every opportunity I've given or I am given the most I can so um, I'm just going to enjoy it have the most fun I can and um, not really let any of that get to me Meanwhile, Chase Elliott's 24 team and now Chase Elliott's 9 team and the number 5 team, which was Casey Kane's, becomes the new 24 with rookie contender Adela Hanut Jr. protege William Byron. You know, when new guys come in, it's kind of a, a fresh thing to talk about, but we're going to ultimately have to just pr- prove ourselves on the racetrack and do things that we show that we're capable of being part of this sport. So I think that's going to show over time and hopefully a couple of us young guys can win some more races. There's a lot of new things that I have to think about and approach differently, but I feel like this year is going to be a really good year for us. We have a great team with Darian Grubb as our crew chief, and I feel like everyone at Hendrick's ready to get to the racetrack. There's a lot of excitement and a lot of uh, new things that we're uh, approaching. You know, really when I was 16 years old, um, you know, getting the call from Dale Jr.'s team, uh, Junior Motorsports, and going to meet with them was probably my first big break. And then I would say after that, I got a chance to go back to there uh, with JRM when I was uh, 18 or 19 years old and got a chance to race for them in the uh, Xfinity Series. Unchanged in the 48 is Jimmy Johnson. So what of Casey Kane? Well, he replaces Michael McDowell in the 95 Levine family racing entry and takes Travis Mack with him to become his crew chief. Uh, I don't think it's a lot to get used to, but it's definitely a different way of um, our work is going to be, you know, different. Like the way we look at things, the way that we prepare. And my whole mindset is the relationships and doing it together, the chemistry of the group that we have. It's a small group compared to what I've had the last six years. And it's a group of people who all, we want to go in the same direction. And I feel like if we do that and work together, no matter what it is, to make the 95 the best car that it can be, uh, we're going to have success, and the guys all feel the same way. Derek Cope moves from Premium Motorsports to the new Starcom Racing Team, where he'll be team manager and also drive the 99 car later in the year, but the team's full season entry is a double O car that'll be driven by Jeffrey Earnhardt. Meanwhile, the celebrity who holds the record for the most appearances in TV commercials shown during the Super Bowl, any idea who that is? Um, somebody Australian? No. Okay. Uh, two of uh, well, at least two of them have been for GoDaddy. That'll give you a bigger clue. All right. Uh, she will drive Premium's number seven car in the Daytona 500. Danica. TriStar Motorsports has two drivers and one car. Corey LeJoy and Cole Witt will share the 72. Uh, Chip Ganassi Racing runs Carl Larson and Jamie McMurray. JT Doherty runs Chris Buescher and AJ Armendinger. And the final full-time Chevy is a Jermaine Racing number 13, which will be piloted by the younger of the Dillon brothers, Ty. And not only is he the brother of Austin, he's also the son of Mike Dillon and grandson of Richard Childress. 
So NASCAR is definitely in his blood. And he says racing himself has brought him closer to his father. I think my dad's racing career, I was so young in, in that time and, and just kind of reminiscing and hearing some of his friends and, and what they talked about, what he was good at, and hearing what he said he thought he was good at um, was cool. But I didn't really get to download or, or learn some of the things that he did in his career. I was so young. and But now getting to talk to him and knowing what he's gone through in his career and, and kind of bouncing those things off of each other is, is really nice to have a father that and a brother and a grandfather that have all gone through that. So it's very exciting. Finally, there's Toyota. Joe Gibbs Racing is the Toyota mega team. Daniel Suarez, Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch all stay from 2017. While new to the team and replacing Matt Kenseth is Eric Jones, who says people shouldn't be expecting him to be winning from the start of the season. In the past, at least from um, you know what I can gather from how it, how it was 10 or 15 years ago, you know, if you could kind of stay out of trouble and prove that you know, you were a consistent guy. I think everybody thought the wins would come along with that. But um, as the times have evolved and changed, I think um, I can remember getting into my first year in the truck series part-time. And, you know, the expectation was to kind of compete and win right off the bat even at that level. Uh, and that continued up through the ranks to Xfinity and now to the Cup Series. So I think um, I, I, I do agree with that, but uh, you know I think there also has to be time given, especially at the cup level. I think the truck and Xfinity level, it's acceptable to think that way. I think you've seen that with a lot of guys over the last few years that come in with a lot of talent, a lot of speed that are able to win right off the bat. But I think the cup level is kind of a different ball game, and in a sense, it's just a lot more challenging. There's a lot more good competitors. There's a lot more good cars. It just takes time, uh, more time to figure it out. Last but not least, Furniture Row Racing, having won the title last year, dropped from being a two-car team to a single-car team. They keep the 78, but with a sponsor from the 77, and driver Martin Truex Jr., whose win last season still hasn't fully sunk in. I don't know that it's still 100%. I don't know if I'm going to feel different tomorrow or you know, still going to feel different when I show up at Daytona. I don't know how long uh, it lasts, but um, it still feels really good, <laughs> and it doesn't it doesn't go away as i as we go it's like it's still pretty damn awesome i don't know maybe when we start racing you'll stop thinking about it or what or thinking about what it means but um it's been it's been a ton of fun i i'm so like i just i'm so confident like i i feel like we can just honestly i really feel like we can go and start the season right where we left off just pick up where we left off and continue you know as a team as we've done the last you know couple years of just uh we know what to work on, and we're just going to keep going down that road and hopefully have more success. But you never know. So, um, you know, we'll just have to see how it all goes. But I'm not feeling any pressure. I'm not anxious at all. And, uh, you know, I'll be ready when we get to Daytona. little fun fact for you, John. Yes? In the last 20 years, uh, the only person to have defended a title successfully is Jimmy Johnson. Wow. Um, good news, by the way, for those of you who follow NASCAR in the UK, and I'm one of those, is that Free Sports, which is a free-to-air uh, digital channel on uh, both the Freeview Plus and Sky platforms, uh, will be showing the 500 on the 18th of February. And Premier, their parent channel, uh, have got a five-year deal to show uh, NASCAR. Xfinity is going to be on free sports for the full yes, season. As and all the trucks. Uh, and the trucks and uh, Euro, Wheel or Euro, Wheel and Euro Series highlights as well. 
and so, lots of NASCAR magazine programs. I think is it NASCAR, NASCAR today. NASCAR today. That's yeah, the one. And that's that's already started. I think, um, and free sports. Uh, goes to 18 million UK homes. Uh, you'll find it on Freeview Channel 95, Sky 424, Freesat 252, Talk Talk 95, and BT 95. Uh, so that's good news. Uh, the rest of the season will be on their pay-per-view channels, but the 500 is free. Looking forward to that. And as we've started uh, our American run, shall we continue, Tim? We can do. In which case, I will say hello and good evening. Hello, Marshall Pruitt. Hello, Marshall. Hello, mate. You sound like you're right next to me uh, this Aww. evening. That's a, it's a great, uh, it's a great connection. Uh, welcome back to Midweek Motorsport. Apologies for not being able to get you on last week uh, when I was literally on the other side of the world. Um, Let's start with IndyCar. You were at one of my very favourite places uh, earlier this week, and I'm very envious that you were at Sonoma uh, for the IndyCar test. Um, how good was that? It was beautiful. The weather was it was immaculate. It was classic Bay Area weather. Uh, mid-50s in the morning rose to about 70, light breeze. It was a classic, classic day on Monday. We had a little bit over, or roughly half, the full-time field there. Uh, we're moving here to Phoenix. I'm on a 6.30 a.m. flight to Phoenix tomorrow for uh, three days of Phoenix Open testing on the Oval there, where everyone will be uh, coming out to play. But Monday was great, and as uh, you might have heard and some might have read, we opened the day with a bit of a delay due to uh, sheep poo uh, being on the track. And uh, our friends at Sonoma Raceway having to try and uh, clear the, the sheep by the... Well, first of all, uh, Sonoma Raceway, Bay Area, you know, we're kind of known for being hippies and holistic and all that, uh, organic types. Well, rather than pay uh, landscaping folks to come out and use petrol-powered, you know, lawnmowers and other weed-whacking devices. Uh, they're all green, and uh, they actually uh, subcontract local folks to bring a massive herd of sheep to the track, and they eat up all, you know, lots of the vegetation uh, around the track, inside the track, you name it. And from what I am told, the uh, big <laughs> sheepdog, who normally looks after them, didn't do so good of a job. Uh, a a large portion of the herd got away, and uh, let's just say the S's. When we talk, when folks talk about the track being green, that, that would be an apt description for uh, how things started out Monday morning. But once once all that went away, not a lot of grip. Sonoma's not known for being a high grip track. Uh, track has been fairly polished over the years, but interesting, Hindy, to see this new 2018 lower downforce bodywork in play. And then to note uh, some of the places that might have been flat or easy flat mm. uh, just last September with the crazy high downforce uh, manufacturer-based aero kits, how some of the uh, the corners have definitely changed uh, to no longer being easy flat in some of the truly uh, daunting areas. 
can you before we get into specific, specifics, if I can get my teeth in, um, to who did what and and what sort of uh, performance levels we saw? Do you get the sense then from that, Marshall, that it's going to this new lower downforce kit is is going to give us better racing on courses like Sonoma? Because in fairness, Sonoma was an important race last year. We didn't get an awful lot of exciting racing. I absolutely expect the racing to improve mm. on, on the road and street courses. And I think a lot of that's going to be because of the ongoing instability at the rear under braking that we've heard and read many, from many drivers talking about with just the aero balance and how that has affected the mechanical balance. The brake braking zones are longer. We're getting there faster. We're having to stop sooner, or we're having to hit the brakes at an earlier point, uh, so the brake zones are elongated. We have less downforce to help slow the car, and with all that happening, the rear of the cars tend to be a little bit unsettled, moving around and dancing uh, in the braking zone, which then... Uh, if you are unable to completely settle it, that would then carry through when you turn in. So going from having the cars just absolutely smashed into uh, the tarmac hindy for the last couple of years with the manufacturer aero kits, going to something now where the cars are not as glued, where there's been a fundamental balance change, where the rear of the car is not uh, as settled as many drivers would like, it means we have more chances for mistakes in the braking zone, whether it's a lockup, whether it's catching a slide. And then depending on how unsettled that rear is, as you well know, uh, that could continue into the initial cornering phase. Yes. So all those things should, in theory, open up opportunities for more passing. And to your exact point at Sonoma, uh, that track not being super wide in most places and being able to make use of 6,000-plus pounds of downforce, uh, it, it had the tendency to become like a train, like a, uh, a procession. So hoping that is not going to be the norm everywhere. How much sensible running did people get uh, in, I mean, the teams that were there, Team Penske were there in four, Schmidt-Peterson had Hinch uh, and Robert Wickens there, AJ Foyt uh, had a, a couple of drivers there, uh, as did uh, Sebastian Baudier, that was Dale Coyne. Um, Pietro Fittipaldi was there, also with Dale Coyne. Spencer Pickett for Ed Carpenter, and who else was there? Jordan, Jordan, King. Jordan King was and there, Gabby making Chavez his was debut. There as well. Yeah, how, so yeah. How, did, how did the new boys do, first of all? That might have been the biggest takeaway from the mm. day, Heindy. We had, uh, I believe, three rookies there, and they were exceptionally impressive. Uh, of the 12 drivers, uh, all three of the rookies were in the top eight. Wow. Uh, the fastest being Pietro Fittipaldi, uh, who was just confirmed for seven races with Dale Coyne, including the Indy 500. Wow. So I spoke with Pietro yesterday. This is the reigning uh, World Series Formula 3.5 yeah. champion. Um, bit of a hard thing, right? If he had been the GP3 uh, or, you know, Formula 3, Formula 2 champ, we would at least have a, a stronger benchmark mm -hmm. on on what a where he is in the talent pool. So didn't really know what we we're going to be getting. Um, he was, not only was he fifth fastest in his first uh, drive of the car at Sonoma, 
but he was only two-tenths off of his teammate, Sebastian Bourdais, wow. uh, who was fourth fastest. The three Penske drivers were the uh, top three in terms of speed, but Pietro coming out P5 and just two-tenths off of Bourdais. Uh, we've, covered, we've covered some of that championship in the past when it was supporting the World Endurance Championship, and he was very, very impressive as a driver and as an individual. Now, the, the question I would have asked was, are those skills transferable to an IndyCar that is quite different from what he would have been used to driving in Europe? But perhaps this year, um, well, with the less in downforce, very much more different. So, yeah, so my question stands. Are his skills transferable? The answer would seem to be yes. Would seem to be. I mean, we're not going to make any grand proclamations yet because we're just talking about one test day mm. at Sonoma. But we do know that uh, the kid impresses engineer Michael Cannon, and that isn't easy. And Michael is someone – Michael was uh, Ed Jones' engineer last year who uh, was Ron Rookie of the Year and has gone to work now. Uh, he's driving for Chip Ganassi Race. And the year before that, Connor Daly's engineer. Uh, so you know, he's someone who's had a lot of young talent uh, come uh, come from his general engineering sphere, and he was really, really – uh, taken aback by uh, how impressive Pietro was. So good on him. Um, that was uh, really fantastic to see. And then you take a little bit, uh, look a little bit further back, and you see that, you know, really the uh, the differences in times weren't massive, but it was great to see that directly behind Pietro in six was Matthias Leist, who was uh, making his Sonoma debut with AJ Foyt Racing Team, another rookie coming out of Indy Lights, Robert Wickens right behind him, and Jordan King right behind him, first time ever in an Indy car. Just a quick um, question so. on, on Leist. Coming out of Indy Lights now into these cars, advantage or disadvantage now to, to have done Indy Lights? I believe it's an absolute advantage now. Mm. Uh, listening to some of the quotes from drivers who are coming right out of lights, they're saying that with the lower downforce uh, IndyCar aero package, the commonalities have only gone up. And uh, the fact that, you know, granted, Indy Lights cars also have a fair amount of downforce, but there's hard driving and sliding involved. And those are the two things that you hear from all the IndyCar drivers right. with this new 2018 bodywork. So if anything... I think IndyCar has done uh, the Mazda Road to India great favor, Heidi, <laughs> in uh, you know helping folks to realize. All right, if you want to get ready for IndyCar, uh, this is Indy Lights is the place to be because it it is truly it's not exactly a hundred percent like for like, but it's much closer I think than it's ever been. And in that respect, and I know it's early days, but do we think that the playing field is is leveled slightly? If all right, the super teams will always the teams with the most cars will always have an advantage because of of the, the advantages they have in, in testing. But do we think on a driver side of things, from what you've seen, I mean, is it a clean sheet of paper for the experienced guys, or are they going to find themselves challenged this year by guys like the rookies, perhaps who are coming in with no preconceptions of the new car? I think it's a hundred percent the opposite. I think the new bodywork is going to expose drivers and teams, uh, but specifically some drivers who've been in the series for uh, a while or a little while now. It's going to expose them like never before uh, with the crushing downforce available from 2015 through 2017. Uh, 
we've definitely seen there are some drivers who I guess were stronger forces than maybe their CV would have suggested uh, they should have been. Right. And I think this is going to be a real, <laughs> we're going to have an honest season of who's who and what's what, Hindy. Uh, I, I look at, and I feel like I pick on him. I don't mean to, but uh, maybe I do. And I'll, If I am, then I'll own up to it. I look at a guy like Max Chilton, who we know is talented. Mm. I don't know many of us would ever confuse him as someone that keeps a, a Lewis Hamilton or Sebastian Vettel up at night worrying how they're going to solve the Max puzzle. But uh, Max has shown that he has the ability to compete in Formula One. Uh, he's shown that in uh, in IndyCar now, uh, with two years of experience, I mean, what he was, uh, you know, pretty impressive. Indy 500, very impressive. Um, didn't didn't knock out a podium this year, but he had some a handful of top tens. Um, I know that vehicular on uh, the vehicular side. I'm curious to see how stripping away more than a thousand pounds of downforce. Yeah. And going back to a car that, you know, the true elite talents, the New Gardens, the Paginos, the Dixons, the Powers, Ray Hall, Hunter Ray, etc. I think it'll be interesting to find out how the Max Chiltons of the world fare now that the car is not doing as much of the work as it once was. I'd never say that driving an Indy car is easy, even with all that downforce piled on. Never, never, never. But I do know that it is now much harder to drive without mm. that the blanket of downforce. So I think you look at someone like Max, who finished eleventh uh, in the IndyCar Championship last year, just you know a few points out of the top ten. Hindy, um, is he going to rise to the challenge of this car that now is going to demand the fastest hands possible and really ask for every ounce of talent to get speed from it and to just keep the thing off the walls? Or is that going to be something where he goes backwards? Yeah. Uh, counter to that very quickly, I think Marco Andretti should, and this is a big air quotes, <laughs> should, uh, I think, rise up because he is known for having some of the fastest reflexes yes, and as someone who can really wrangle a car that's dancing beneath him. You and I have seen that in sports cars, for example. Um, he has not excelled in the high downforce era. I think uh, we definitely know that removing some of that, I think should push the car into a place where he now feels more connected to it more at one. So uh, I think we're going to see some rise, but I think we're going to see some others who maybe gave stronger examples of what their true talent should, should give them. I think we're going to see them exposed a bit. And I like that. That's what racing should do, right? Shouldn't be equal. Uh, The best should be clear. The middle to average to back should also be clear. Yep. We haven't necessarily had that the last couple of years. No, that, and that's interesting. And and uh, Nick always says any time when you you know even in even in the the heady heights of Formula One where everything seems to stay the same for such a long time, it's like turning a a super tanker. As soon as you bring in new regulations, you get the opportunity for something odd uh, odd to happen. And you know I I, I like that. I like the fact that it, that people are allowed to rise by their own talents um and uh, it would be nice to see the accepted order of things being challenged uh, just a little bit that said um the the three fastest times were posted by some, by the team you might have expected at sonoma 
Yeah, I mean, there's also that reality, right? I mean, it is Team <laughs> Penske. Uh, they have owned Sonoma for the past many years. That's that's become their personal playground. So I would not expect that to uh, stop just because we've gone to a new no. aero discipline. Uh, but yeah, I mean, of all the teams that were there, uh, we did not have Chip Ganassi Racing. Chip. We did not have Andretti Autosport. So we know that if we're talking those who are regularly jousting and parrying with uh, the Penske organization, the other two uh, monster entities weren't there to uh, weigh in on, on where they could land on the uh, on the speed charts. No, indeed, indeed so. Uh, first race of the year is next month, March the 9th to the 11th. Before then, we'll have Marshall on to have a more detailed look uh, at the... IndyCar Series for 2018. The Phoenix Open uh, Test has pretty much, I think, everybody there uh, this... Now, when is that? That's coming up shortly. Thursday, yep, Thursday through Saturday. And am I right in that they streamed this last year? And didn't I read somewhere that there's going to be a couple of cameras and a RF camera in the pits and it's, it's all going to be yep. streamed online? Yeah, Thursday is the rookie test. And it's also the first test of IndyCar's, don't call it an arrow screen, uh, IndyCar's windscreen. Right. And that will not be streamed because right. it's just, it's truly just going to be a couple of cars on track for the Go day. Ahead. It's not, not a lot. But thir- uh, Friday, Saturday, which is full field, uh, the all swim, uh, <laughs> that will indeed be uh, live streamed. I think they're going to have four uh, announcers slash reporters total, cool. folks in the pits. So, yeah, uh, IndyCar's learned from. Uh, I mean, they did some of this last year, too, but IndyCar has definitely learned and seen the value of live streaming, uh, not just their their events, but also these big tests. Uh, so good on them. I, I watched it last year. I think it was a single camera up above, I think it was turn one and two. Uh, Rooftop with, Ray. Yeah, no, wait a minute. It, 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 was, it was literally just a fixed camera just sat there, but it was still intriguing. And, and I watched the rookie test with Fernando Alonso as well last year, and they, they put a bit more production into that, and that got silly numbers and it was it was fantastic enjoyed it a lot so keep an eye out for that on uh, IndyCar their website it's on the the race control part uh, of their website he says having just looked uh, that up you're listening to Midweek Motorsport Marshall Pro from Racer.com is on the line Um, one of the Advantages stroke disadvantages of not having you on last week is that one of the big stories from the week before we didn't get to talk about and it's allowed dust to settle and tempers that were perhaps a little frayed to calm slightly. I'm talking, of course, about the Rolex 24 Daytona and the Land Motorsport penalty uh, for falling out of, of the BOP. Uh, those with what? Short, those, I've never heard of this at all. What are you talking about, crazy man? Well, those with short memories uh, may have forgotten already because we've already had some more racing since then at Bathurst. Um, Land Motorsport Audi. Uh, penalised five minutes for going out of their BOP. A couple of things that came out of this, some which I would like Marshall to talk about and and some which I'm just going to lay out and and just leave it out there. Um, There was a lot of nonsense talked about this at the time. Uh, Some of it was speculation. Some of it was unfortunately misinformation uh, and whether that was deliberate or not, we'll never know. Um, let me just lay this out, and then I'll, I'm g- going to give the floor to Marshall because he's done some fine investigative journalism. Do we expect anything else? Else, uh, I put in parentheses. Oh, there. stop it! Um, uh, 
there was there was a print, some printed material that went out in the press room that said Land had tampered with the fuel fig uh, fuel rig uh, and the seals had been broken. Uh, that was not the case. Uh, it was also not the case that the car was outside of any homologation regulations or broke any of the regulations of the meeting, either in homologation, technical regulation, GT. Three regulations, or indeed the SSRs, the uh, supplementary regulations for the event. And yet, Marshall, they got a five-minute penalty. Now, this was all down to fuel and how fast they were fueling. But they, they hadn't technically done anything wrong, had they? No, it, it's, a, it's a rather strange collision, Heidi, of breaking no rules, which the series agrees with and acknowledges that the team broke zero rules in terms of compliance. There was no cheating involved whatsoever. Yet, you too can come to pit lane and meet our fine officials for a lovely five-minute chat. Mm. Uh, I don't know if coffee or tea was provided during that stop. That would have been quite polite. But yeah. a let's, let's maybe work backwards on this. I... I'm confident in saying that when we get to the Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring, uh, every team using an Audi R8 LMS GT3 will have a new schematic provided uh, either by Audi or by IMSA detailing exactly how the uh, complete look of its fuel bladder within the car must be outfitted, where every single thing must go which is also a way of saying, and these are the areas where things cannot go. Mm-hmm. Also including exactly what can or cannot be used within that tank. So, Surely that's any... got to apply for everybody, though, not just the Audis. I mean, the, the problem here is that, that what, what it boils down to is these guys were f- f- uh, fuel-filling at around about 35.5, 35.6 seconds, um, using the rig that IMSA provided for them and with the seals intact and with the fuel regulators uh, in place. Um, The problem was that IMSA, in their minds, have a 40-second fuel fill. Whether you're filling 81 litres, which land were, or 110 litres if you've got a less efficient car. In their mind... 91, by the way, mate. I believe it was was 91 91, litres for land, but regardless. Yeah. Whatever you're filling, part of the BOP is that that fuel goes in at the same time. So it doesn't matter how thirsty or efficient your engine is, you fuel fill your maximum fuel at the same time. Unfortunately, IMSA hadn't written that down anywhere. So land looking for efficiency had quite reasonably found a way to get their fuel using the right fuel restrictor in a bit quicker. And, you know, so they'd broken an unwritten rule, literally. Yeah, and so here's here's a little bit of the background working backwards from this. Uh, if there are... I can only speak to the Audi because I haven't gone through and called every other manufacturer to find out Understood. what kind of homologated uh, sc- fuel cell schematics they have on file. But... I believe that the Audis uh, used by anybody showing up at Sebring will be specced out to exactly what IMSA wants to see. Uh, I also believe that IMSA will publish in written terms, no longer a verbal, uh, exactly what they expect uh, a range for each fuel stop to take. And not just Sebring, but also going forward. And this comes back to the topic of 
you claim I have run afoul of something, but there's no rule for you to point at and say I've run afoul of it. So those are the two things that I think we're going to see correctively going forward. And Go you know, to wrap to wrap this quickly, Land I know came out of uh, 2017 thinking very specifically that they were not as fast as they wanted to be with pit stops and also on pit lane. Uh, I'm sorry. And also during refueling, they felt that the tire changes were taking too long. They felt that their refueling was taking too long. This is a team that found a weakness within themselves, looked at the rule book, uh, said, well, okay, we can drill ourselves to death on tire changes, make ourselves faster there. They did. They looked at what they could do within the fuel tank, found that there was nothing policing them against optimizing the shape of the blocks they put in there to help fill the, you know, take up the extra capacity. uh, So you don't, you have more than 91 liters or however many liters in the tank. They found something that they were able to use and do better than everyone else. The only thing that they did wrong, Heindy, is to sign up and compete in a series that uses balance of performance. Because one thing IMSA and many other series that use BOP happens to do is they have a bit of a catch-all that says if you perform outside of expectations, even though those expectations have not been documented, we can penalize (laughs) you. That's what happened. Virtual expectations. MP, I know you've got a dash and do other things. Uh, We've got lots of things to talk to. A breaking story coming uh, tomorrow on the TCR front that people should be watching racer.com for, and we'll talk about that next week. Good to have you on the show, mate. Thank you. Thank you, brother. And that's nearly all we've got time for. Really? We're yes. going to squeeze something else in. We're I in want a to tiny bit of overtime here. Two things in. I want to say uh, get well soon to Rubens Barrichello. Oh, yes, very much so. Why? What's the matter with him? Uh, he was hospitalised uh, oh, no. after feeling faint in the shower, and it turns out he has a, what he calls a little problem with a vein. Oh, dear. Don't uh, sound that. And uh, congratulations to Niall Quinn. Uh, not the footballer. Not the footballer, former footballer. Uh, but the uh, Irish racing driver who's Why become a father. Do? Oh, well done. Uh, well done. Uh, lots of people with comments about various things tonight, but we simply don't have time for that. Uh, there's no time to explain. Uh, have a good weekend. We'll be back next week. Meantime, uh, the Llama is off to find a classic car to drive. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.